Welcome to the Thunder Basketball Universe, your one-stop shop for everything Thunder Basketball. We're recording this at the Thunder Ion practice going on right now. We'll get a chance to talk to the guys after practice, but until then, let's dive right into our podcast. Welcome to the Thunder Basketball Universe. I'm Paris Lawson. I'm sitting across the table from Nick Gallo. How's it going, Paris? I'm doing pretty good. And right next to me, we got producer Hindi. Hey, everybody. Hey, Hindi. We got a lot to talk about today. Some really cool topics. Thunder finding their stride offensively and leading the way is their play of pace. They're playing really good up-tempo basketball, and that's something that Coach Donovan has preached a lot during this regular season, especially through the first six games. Something that Chris Paul pointed to specifically after the win against the Pelicans, uh, he thought New Orleans was a really good team to test that ability to play fast because that's how New Orleans plays too. Right, and play fast means a lot of different things, right? I mean, you can obviously sprint fast in transition or you can go through options quickly on offense. And I think that was really the key in what they're talking about when they're saying play with pace. Be decisive and also get the ball up ahead of the defense quickly. Chris talks about... If I'm walking the ball up, then that's what everybody else is going to do too. So they want to get into offense in the first six seconds of the shot clock. And that really opens up the options for multiple players on the floor to touch the ball. There, Like we mentioned multiple times, there are a lot of weapons on this team with a lot of different ways to impact the game. And so if the ball moves quickly, they get into their offense quickly, then all of a sudden now the ball is touching multiple hands and then there are multiple opportunities on the floor. One way you'll see them do that is just at the very beginning of a possession, they'll actually throw a little entry pass up to the high post to Gallo or Steven yep. or one of their bigs right at the top of the key. And that just gets the, the game flowing a little bit, gets guys moving off the ball. Yeah, and it really gives them an opportunity to quarterback from that position. We've talked about this. This is kind of a new style of play for the Thunder, of really letting the bigs facilitate the offense versus just point the traditional point guard, bring the ball down the floor and initiate the offense. It goes through the, the big. It opens up the floor, and now with them playing with that speed and that pace and that tempo, all the options open up, especially in that paint area. Sometimes that first touch, though, can actually just go right back to the guard. And as Billy talks about, it's just trying to create that one extra step of space, a little bit of separation from the guard to their defender or a big trying to hedge over, and and you're just trying to create these micro opportunities to get ahead of the defense and play three-on-two or two-on-one in small spaces. Even that one little pass to the big, back to the guard, the defender on that point guard has to make a decision in that, like, half a second. Like, do I jump back and, you know, get ready for a cut, or do I stay with my guy and kind of deny this back pass back to the point guard? So it does create that one little step of advantage. But another way to create that advantage is to really get hone in on the, the glass, and that's something that was mentioned a lot that helps with the pace of play. That was an issue in the Pelicans game, was giving up offensive rebounds, I think 21 second-chance points for New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So definitely an area of focus moving forward for the Thunder so they can not have to pull the ball out of the basket before they start running. Right, and you get those quick rebounds, you can quickly go in transition, and that's the traditional pace of play we're talking about is you get the ball out of the rim or not out of the rim, you get the ball off of the rim and you go and try to beat the defense down the floor so that they don't have a chance to set up. We've seen a lot of players thrive in this fast up-tempo style of play and I think one of them that sticks out to me is Chris Paul and I mean he's a master facilitator nine 
assists in the last game against the Pelicans, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is just him finding his players in those open opportunities, and he's obviously a master of getting that extra step off you know, ball screens or even just cutting. He finds a way to snake dribble and get to yeah. the, the paint, get to that nail spot, and he found Nerlens uh, really early for kind of a two-handed bounce pass that saw a just wide open lane for Nerlens to slam yeah. home a monster dunk. Um, he hit uh, a couple guys for three pointers back to back. Gallo, I think it, yes. he hit him for yeah, yeah. a couple threes in that game. So um, really has a, a nice. I mean, he's Chris Paul for a reason. So he, Chris Paul is Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he knows when and how to get his guys shots. You know who else has stuck out to me in this transition? Their fast tempo style of play. It's Gallo. Yeah, it is Gallo and. It, we saw this during the blue and white scrimmage of him just kind of like always being down the floor and Steven Adams being able to chuck like a full court pass down the floor. I think that's kind of like where he his bread and butter is. It's just like finding off the ball, off, you know, rebounds, finding that one little step of advantage, whether it's like I'm going to get down the floor faster than my defender or whether it's, you know, I'm going to get one step of advantage off this um, down screen. Billy talks about how... Gal is so smart, so refined as a player. He can be at any of the five positions on the floor and really thrive. Um, and I think we're seeing that bear fruit. I mean, six games into the season, his numbers look exactly the same as they did last they season do. in yeah. L.A. Uh, points per game, shooting percentages. Uh, it really speaks to him to be able to come to this environment and completely adapt. Yeah, and he's one of those that has those, you know, sneaky good games. You know, yeah. it's just this, the quiet 17, the quiet 16 points. And it's it's something that you don't think about until you go back and look at the stat sheet and then you just realize he did all the right things in the game, even the little things. It goes to show what happens when you make your free throws. He's 100% still for the season nice. on free throws. And so... You know, that's how you add up these little sneaky, whoa, I can't believe he has this many points type of games. Now that you mentioned the 100%, now, you know, the old broadcaster's jinx. Got to be careful. (laughs) Yeah. We can officially blame Gallo for (laughs) Gallinari missing his next free throw. Us Gallos stick together, (laughs) man. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Maybe it won't make a difference. But we talk about the pace of play and the production from Chris Paul and Gallinari, but the bench has played, I mean, we talked about Hami a little bit, mm-hmm. but the bench has played a really, really big factor in the Thunder's ability to play fast. Multiple games of over 50 points scored by the bench, mm-hmm. which is really incredible to see, uh, especially since the Thunder has not scored an extremely high clip so far this season. Right, and think about the production or the athleticism that's coming off of the bench. You've got Hamadou Diallo, you've got Dennis Schroeder, you've got Darius Baisley. I mean, these are guys who are lightning quick and have the ability to take advantage in transition, take advantage on one-on-one and attacking the lane, and they've all shown that they've taken tremendous strides from last year to refine their skills for this year, and it's showing up. You mentioned Darius as one of those guys who's really fast. Um, what stands out to me is he has the humility, even as a rookie, to sprint up and down the floor every mm-hmm. single time. I, it's nice to see him in transition, even if he's not going to get the ball. Uh, he he finds a way to get to that corner and just be in position and ready to, to be a part of the offense whenever it happens to come to him. That's something that we heard from his teammates early on is that he's such a sponge. And clearly somebody along the line told him the advantage of sprinting down the floor in mm-hmm. transition. And even though you might not get the ball, 
you might open up the floor for the rest of your teammates. And you bring a defender with you. You might bring two defenders with you if you're ahead of the game like that. And so now that opens up the floor for the rest of the team. And that, like you said, it's very mature. It's very selfless. And just it's a very, you know, good thing to have as a rookie is that mentality of, you know, this might not be better for me, but it's better for my team. Doing the right thing every play is almost a skill in itself. And Terrence is actually a guy who really benefited from doing Mm -hmm. that. I mean, it's something that earned him playing time and a a lot of praise from uh, Billy Donovan. uh, His first couple years is that he was just so reliable. You knew if you asked him to go set a guard to guard screen, you knew if you asked him to fill the the perimeter in transition, he was going to go do those things. Right. And when you see the production from the bench, like that, that says a lot about a team and uh, everybody is bought in to the system, to the identity and wants the team to get better overall. It, it really feels like there's not a, as much of a, like a separation between the bench and the starters right. and like, it's just a team. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way that it's felt the first six games or Chris, so. Chris Paul said this after the game. He said, Dennis is a starter coming mm-hmm. off of our bench. And that that's a very selfless thing. And he is. He's one of those sparks that comes off the bench. And every team needs that. And Dennis is like the ultimate spark plug that you put into a game. And he's one of the top scorers in the past few games so far. And he's coming off of the bench. I've been sneakily trying to coin a nickname for him. It's a little gold streak. Call him the lightning bolt. He just yeah. seems like a lightning bolt when it's it comes to the very appropriate, yeah. yeah, in every sense of the word. I mean, he's lightning quick on defense. We've seen him, like, snag quick. Like, if the ball's just hanging in midair for, like, half a second off a bad, you know, handoff or something, he's there to, like, get his hand on it super quick. And then we also see it on the offensive end when he's taking players one-on-one and, like, getting into the lane and finishing at the rim. He's just – he's taking advantage of his quickness on both ends of the floor. Part of me wonders if having two other premier ball handlers on the floor really allows Dennis to tap into who he can truly be his most effective self. When he first came in the league in Atlanta, he was known as a lockdown defender, just right. a pest. We've heard Chris Paul use that word about mm-hmm. him, pest, multiple times. And now with less of a ball handling burden on him every single play for 36 minutes a night, I wonder if he's able to tap into that defensive ability and then just to have these downhill drives. I would think so. You know, you've got these three-point guards who all do something different, all bring something different to the table. It's not like they're all, you know, d- defensive-minded, like, lockdown. They are really good defenders, but they're not all the same, you know, caliber of player when it comes to each specific strength. And Dennis brings something that the other two don't bring, and Shea brings something that Chris and Dennis don't bring, and same for Chris. And so it's – it opens up the opportunity for him to really hone in on, okay, if Chris is going to bring the ball up the floor, then I'm going to take care of this. Or, you know, if, you know, Chris is guarding off the ball, my responsibility is point guard. And he, he you can lock in more on one specific thing. It sounds like harmony to me. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. That's poetic, Gallo. <laughs> Like we mentioned off the top, we're recording this while the team is practicing. We're podcasting. And so while the team prepares for the next game against Orlando on Tuesday, so are we. Gallo, what's one of your notes for this team going into this game? Orlando's front line is huge, so the Thunder's going to have to do a really good job of 
boxing out, kind of as we mentioned earlier, cleaning up the defensive glass. Yep. Uh, Orlando, again, they like to play with a traditional front line in mm-hmm. both the starter and reserve groups, so that's going to be critical. I, I agree completely. And one of my notes for this team is, again, we've mentioned it, but production off the bench. It's going to be key, and it's it's giving the Thunder the advantage that other teams don't have. The depth that this team has shown really always gives them the advantage going into these games. Uh, my other point is just finish off this homestand strong. Uh, started yeah. the season with five games in eight days, I believe. Mm-hmm. A really tough stretch. Now just one game in kind of a span of five days before the team um, heads to San Antonio. So use this as an opportunity to really seal off the end of this homestand. Yep, that that's a great point. And I'll just wrap it all up with play with pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's something that like, we, we talked about this, and I, I keep – honing in on it but it's something that whenever this team plays with tempo plays with pace gets into their offense early and gets through multiple options they're really really hard team to guard and they always get good looks and it'll be about knocking those down against orlando should be a good one in front of the chesapeake energy arena crowd i'm excited Well, here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing, and Gallo was a little bit on top of the main thing earlier when he mentioned the one game in five days for this Thunder team, a really good opportunity for them to rest, recover, get their feet back under them before diving back in against Orlando. I'm just happy he's actually reading the rundown. (laughs) (laughs) That's a miracle. On top of it, Gallo. And that one game that they did have was a great high-note game to go out on before getting right back into it against Orlando kind of rare at this early stage of the season to have two full days to practice, a day off, a chance for the coaching staff to really actually evaluate tape and come together with like a cohesive plan for this next stretch of games moving forward. I will say for my first NBA season, those two days felt like a year. <laughs> I feel like I've been gone for two months. Like Daylight savings time hit too. Man. It was like really a, a it was an early game on Saturday. So Really, really nice by the scheduling gods. There. I can only imagine how nice that must feel for the for the actual players who need to recover their bodies. <laughs> a few bumps and bruises for the Thunder right now. Steven's been out for a couple games with a knee contusion, and Nerlens had a little bit of a foot thing, and you know Terrence Ferguson showed some flu-like symptoms in the last game against the Pelicans. So these days of rest and just getting their feet back under them, recovery, really, really beneficial for the Thunder right now. All right, Gallo, what made you look? The Rook made me look. Uh, Darius Baisley going off for a career high in points and three-pointers made. He really impressed Chris Paul by just hoisting him up even after he missed his first Letting couple. Fly. Chris said he was really proud. Yeah, it was really cool. We had him on the podcast, our last episode. You should go check it out. Chef Bays, the spork. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. I'm not going to say his big game was directly related to being on our podcast. But... But any other players that want to spike in production should absolutely come on the show. Starting an encouraging trend. Yeah. The Thunder Basketball Universe, the place for your game. It's like the reverse (laughs) Madden curse. (laughs) He has shown some really good improvement, and it was really cool to see him get that shining moment, you know, of him showing off what he has been trying to show off these past few games and showing his production on both ends of the floor. He has shown a level of confidence Mm -hmm. that I think his teammates have really encouraged out of him. Um, And it's not just the offensive end. Like, he wouldn't be out there on the floor getting these opportunities if he wasn't 
focusing and like keying into the game plan defensively too. So right. uh, I think one thing that Billy Donovan and the staff will, would want to shy away from is for all the attention to go on the scoring output. Let's remember that right. that the vast majority of the time that Darius is on the floor, he's going to be asked to do a lot of other things besides shoot the basketball. That's true. And for his size, he definitely will be able to contribute in multiple areas. And one thing that really stuck out to me, we mentioned it a little bit at the top of the podcast, was his poise. He's just showing not the typical rookie, you know, demeanor that you would see out on the floor. Yes, in previous games, he's shown, you know, like that rookie side of him of just making, you know, small little mistakes, but we didn't see many of those against the Pelicans. Yeah, I, it kind of makes me think of when we had him on the show is like, he just seems thoughtful and grounded and he's going to need to just rely on that throughout the course of a 82 game NBA season that's bound to have a lot of ups and downs. Can't wait to see what Chef Beige cooks up for the next few games. We've come to that point in the podcast where we like to bless your timeline and something really great happened against the Pelicans. Two cousins clashed out it was Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. It was a pretty special moment. Yeah, it was super cool. We got to talk to Nikhil uh, before the game, you and I did, in the locker room, and he gushed about Shea, and you wrote a wonderful article for OKCThunder.com about that moment when they met up. So I want to get your thoughts on just what you saw out there between the two of them. Yeah, it was it was a really cool, really cool backstory. They they grew up forty minutes from each other in Ontario. Shay grew up in Hamilton, and Nikhil grew up in Toronto, which is about a forty minute drive. But the cousins were really more like brothers. I mean, they did everything together on weekends. They would you know get together and play any sport they could get their hand on, whether it was like soccer or football, or if it was you know playing baseball with an old tennis ball. <laughs> they would they would get that opportunity to play with each other, and they really developed together as basketball players as well. They both ended up going to Chattanooga, Tennessee, to play at Hamilton Highest Christian Academy prep school, and they obviously both went on to play Division One basketball and. Now that they're both playing at the highest level of NBA basketball, they're both on the floor together, it was just such a surreal moment for Shea and Nikhil to trade jerseys and see how far they've actually come. The funny thing that Nikhil said that stood out to me was that when they were kids, they would always make Shay ask their parents for like everybody's parents for yeah. things because Shay would always they would always say yes when Shay did and I was like yeah that kind of sh- Shay is very charming I, guess, I, I can, I can see, see that yeah yeah that, that makes a lot of sense but um yeah it was definitely really cool especially hearing the draft story about when Nikhil he was supposed to be at Shay's draft couldn't show up because he had some obligations to Virginia Tech but he called his mom after and he was crying as if he was the one that got drafted just because that relationship that they have is just so strong and he just felt like he was so deserving of being drafted and you could really tell after the game that they're they're really really close they're not cousins they're they're more like brothers for sure it's a great moment for for instagram when they held up one another's jerseys did the jersey swap all the cameras rushed out to to center court um of course that made it on ig of course it made it on ig in the locker room after the game, somebody yelled out while Shea was doing his <laughs> post-game interview oh, yeah. that the uh, 
him he, switching. Like, he intentionally switched on to Nikhil to defend him just so that they could get a photo, like a Getty photo to use for, for Instagram. Like for their group chat? Yes. Yeah, for, their, for, for Instagram. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, good day for cousins, bad days for people who have to cram those names on the back of jerseys. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the walk-off with Chris Paul... Uh, I asked him, you know, how good did it feel after getting, like, so close? You've been in every single game. How good did it feel to get rewarded yeah, with a great. And the first thing out of Chris's mouth was... I lose and stuff for the birds, man. I'm telling you. But uh, we're going to keep working, keep grinding. Luckily, it's not 11, 12-game season. So we're going to keep working. I, didn't, I wasn't quick enough to think of it in that time. But I was like, you know what? On Saturday night, that losing stuff really was for the birds. The Pelicans. Ooh. That losing stuff is for the birds. <laughs> oh, because they're birds! Yes. Yes, now you understand. I got it already. Well, that's all we have for you today. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much to our producers. And be sure to like, subscribe, and rate wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.